though I've been with you for two hours now. Good morning. <laughs> oh. mm, what a sweet time in worship. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would wield your sword and you would give us revelation. You would cut away those things that need to be cut away. And you would encourage us and empower us this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in our region. We thank you for what you're doing in our nation. We thank you that though there is darkness that opposes you, that in the darkness the light shines all the brighter. So we ask you, Lord, increase your light. We ask you, Lord, send your fire. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I'm privileged to, to share with you and just kind of bring you into my prayer and my meditation over this last week. Uh, when Mike and I were talking early, early last week on, a, on what I might be feeling the Lord saying, initially I was thinking uh, that we'd go back into John chapter 14, 15, and 16 and talk about the Holy Spirit. And the, the four times where Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the paraclete, the comforter, the counselor. Um, but then I just got suddenly redirected. How many of you guys enjoyed last Sunday and just spending time in the presence of the Lord and Pastor Aaron Culp and all of his faithfulness and missionary faithfulness in Mexico and the stories of God's presence and God's glory. And man, that just, it lit a fire in me again. It lit a fire in me that there is more for us to experience. There's so much more. When I meditate and ponder about Jesus' return and Satan being cast out of the third heaven and angels ministering to the church and the glory of God ushering in Jesus on that cloud. And when I think of the millennial kingdom that is coming, when I think of us living forever with resurrected bodies, when I think of the presence of God around His throne, the fire, the voices coming from His Throne, the glory, that sea of glass that's mingled with fire. I go, oh, there is so much more <laughs> for us to contend for. And I just felt like the Pastor Aaron just kind of raised, he kind of just helped me to, to lift my vision again. Man, when he was sharing about his friend preaching in India and a leper colony came in, and the Glory cloud covered the entire leper colony and healed every one of them. I was just like, I hope you were too. 
I hope you were like, I want that. I want that for us. You know why I want it? I want God to be seen for who He is. For the one who hovered over the waters. The one who spoke the word and therefore light came. And therefore, I want God to be seen and glorified. That's why we contend for power. That's why we go, we want signs. Signs that point people to the only one worth pointing them to. We want wonders. Why? We don't want their heart to be filled with awe and wonder of who God is. And there is a strategy of the enemy called apathy and complacency concerning the power of God that he loves for the church to settle into. He loves for us to go, oh, let's not focus so much on that because that's kind of divisive. There was a move of the Spirit in the early 1900s called Azusa Street. It was powerful. But do you know how divisive that was in the church? Everyone had to make a decision. Is the Holy Spirit and are the works of power and speaking tongues, is that for today? And there were 20 years of the, some of the church saying no, and some of the church saying yes, and some of the church saying no, and some of the church saying yes. And then we had a few world wars. That's why <laughs> in the 40s and 50s, people were just like, let's just stop talking about the Holy Spirit. Because every time we do, our church splits. And it was a strategy of the enemy. Guys, we're living in the last days. The time of Jesus' return is getting closer. What'd you say? Even so come. Amen. Even so come. The time of his return is getting closer. Do you know what I read when I read the prophetic passages of Jesus' return? I read two things. I read of a world in chaos and in turmoil. And I read of a church empowered by the glory of God to make known Jesus to every tribe, to every tongue, to every language, and to every nation. And here's a question for me. Do I have a vision for that type of glory? Do I have revelation of what the Lord is going to do in the Word? Do I have understanding? And if I have understanding, am I contending for it? Am I longing for it? Or am I okay with church as the status quo? With church just being powerless? God, we ask you to reign on our parade. To reign on our... Oh, we ask you to shake us up, God. For the sake of getting our eyes on the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who wants to do so much more than what we're experiencing now. Amen? Now, I don't say that to... I love what the Lord's doing now. I love it. He constantly has us growing. But guys, we have to stay childlike. We have to stay 
in wonder and fascination of Him. And we have to be coming to that throne of grace asking for more. We can't get complacent in this season. We can't get apathetic in this season. I was feeling, oh, it was Tuesday morning. I woke up and, and we had a, uh, we finished a semester of Colorado School of Worship. If you're interested in that, we have things on our website, and there's a website called the Colorado School of Worship if you want training as a worship leader, prophetic singer, musician. But we had 12 weeks, and, and we came up on our last week, and we graduated class on Monday night. And when you have, you know, that extra load, and it gets done, <laughs> and you're like, you've been faithful, you've done all the Lord's called you to do, and you wake up the next morning, and you just have that, oh, Amen. How many of you have experienced that? Some of you are experiencing it right now. School's out. Amen. You woke up, maybe Thursday morning, didn't have to rush four kids out the door to school, and you just had that, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Anyway, so I had that, oh, this is nice. I'm glad that there's a few months where we're not doing this. And I just felt this check from the Holy Spirit. Marcus, be careful how you rest. Marcus, be careful not to take a break from me. Though an assignment that I have given you has come to an end, you and I, we don't ever come to an end. And it's something that the Lord has called me back to time and time again. And, and it's in seasons, I've done it really, really well. And in seasons, I've also rested not so well. And I was like, oh, I want to rest in you. And it just caused me to to open my Bible and to wait on the Holy Spirit and to talk to him about the things that are in my heart. But then as I was talking to him, what I felt was over our region that there is a spirit of let's just take a vacation. There's a spirit of leisure that wants to pull us away from our relationship with the Lord And it feels like this. I need two weeks off, and I just need a break. Now, we need to rest well. We need to spend time with our families well. But guys, two weeks somewhere without opening your Bible, without talking to God, that's not good. You will not come back rested. You will jump back in that battle And you'll be like, oh no, what did I do? But what I feel is there's that spirit of leisure that wants to rest on the church of Colorado. And if we say yes to it, we are going to take four steps backwards. We will stop advancing in this summer season. And I think the Lord has called us to advance in the summer season. And when I say advance... He wants His kingdom to take ground. He wants the lost to have their eyes open to who He is. What if we redirected our time off, our our vacation, our summer attitude, and go, I want to give more time to making Jesus known. What if you took off a week, you spent some time with your family, but you spent three days 
in evangelism. You stirred up a group of your friends and you said, let's fast and pray and let's just see what God's going to do. What about we took off time for work to do that? That's a fun vision. I think that could be really awesome. What about next Sunday? We're going to go out next Sunday. We're going to go and have, you know, our shorter service and we're going to go preach the gospel. We're going to do it. I promise it will happen. (laughs) What if we started to pray and ask God now, Lord, move with power. And when those little excuses rose up for why you're not going to go out next Sunday, what if you had a mindset all week long and you rejected them and you said, no, I am going out with my friends and we are making Jesus known. Amen? We need that. So I was feeling that spirit of just, ah. And then as I talked to started to talk to the Lord about it, I, I, I felt like it was a strategy of the enemy over our region in this season. COVID was hard. I just need a break. Guys, those who wait on the Lord, they will be renewed with strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not get weary. They will walk and not grow faint. There is access to strength in God right now for us to enter into. But I feel like we are going to have to actively reject a spirit of leisure. And when I say that, what I mean is don't cancel your summer vacations, okay? Well, maybe if the Lord's asking you to, do it. What I mean is don't take the break from your relationship with the Lord. Don't When you're on your vacation, if God calls you to speak to that young woman at the counter, speak to the young woman at the counter. And don't say, no, I'm on vacation. We are ready in season and out of season. Amen? Okay. So I was feeling that, but then the other thing I was feeling from the Lord was this. Good job, Rock Church. I felt this pleasure in the heart of God for where He is taking us. And I just felt this, well done, guys. Thank you for following me. Thank you for allowing me to lead. Thank you for pressing into me in this season. And what I felt from the Lord is that there's a tipping point that's coming. I don't know how to explain this, but I just felt this from God. That there is a tipping point to an increase where it's not just the presence of God, like Aaron Colt preached, but we step into the glory of God. We step into power, signs, wonders, visitations that are going to bring God incredible glory. And what I felt in this was it's each of our individual yes with God that's going to take us to this tipping point. And I also felt that it wasn't guaranteed. The Lord says, the Lord, he didn't say, but I I just had that feeling, this isn't guaranteed, Marcus. But I'm proud of you guys. But for the next level that I want to bring, it's going to take an individual yes, an individual Pursuit, an individual, but as we do that together, 
God is kind of testing us in this season. How bad do you want me? How much do you want me? I'm here. I'm ready to pour it out. Do you want it? Are you hungry? And as we enter into that hunger together, I feel the pleasure of God that He is going to respond from heaven with glory. Now, I normally don't get up here and share my prophetic sense, but Mike and I and JR, we were in the prayer room on on Thursday, and we were, and I was just kind of sharing my heart and praying into these things, and, and Mike was feeling things similar, and so were JR, and we were just asking God to do this in our midst. And I, when I began to share that impression that the Lord had given me, Mike, Mike remembered a word. Do you have that word? Do you want to just come up and read it real quick? Because when I was sharing the whole thing of like the Lord's testing us, there's a tipping point of glory. Mike goes, there was a word given to us in 2016 that is very similar to this. And we read it and we both went, whoa. <laughs> you know, one of those like whoa times where you're just like, whoa, that's confirmation. So yeah, just take a moment and read it, share it, whatever you want from it. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it is two full pages and it's all really good. And maybe I can, uh, maybe I'll put it out in the email. Remind me. <laughs> I'll do it in the next email. It's in the, here's the crazy part. It's from, it's from February of 2016. And, uh, and so now we're seeing these things, though, and going, oh, wow. It's amazing how you look back and you're like, okay, the Lord was actually speaking here and he's doing some things. So as, as we were talking about this and praying into this, um, it, the, we titled the word divine opportunity. And, uh, and this is what, so it was a word that came to us through an email um, from a couple that was, uh, I, they don't attend here. Uh, anyway, but, but they're very prophetic. Uh, and this is what they said is that, that they saw, and I'll just kind of give you the, the gist of it at the beginning, but he was seeing something, and it looked like an angel, or maybe it was Jesus, and then he realized, no, it was actually, it was a, uh, like a high-ranking, he said, it was like a high-ranking general in God's army of angels, and, uh, and he, was, he, was, he had come alone, and he was watching for several minutes over the rock, and he was just watching the rock, and it said, finally, revelation came to me in an instant, that he was watching the rock church. His purpose was to watch the rock and see if they would choose and be, if they would be prepared and would align themselves to be ready and in a condition to receive the next outpouring that would greatly advance the kingdom on the earth. It says this, uh, talked about the presence of God in this place. And I don't know if if you've experienced the presence of God in this place, but it, it is heavy often in this place. Not to toot our own horn at all. It's just, it's God, what he's doing. It's his presence. But here's what he said. He said his presence in this place indicates that the rock is being considered as a recipient, which I've never real. I mean, I read this thing back in 2016, and it wasn't until... We were here and we were reading this last or the, on Thursday. It was whoa. 
So the presence is not, well, well, this is great. We're experiencing the presence of God. It actually indicates that the rock is being considered as a recipient for what he wants to do. He said this, I could tell, however, that it was not a guaranteed thing. There were certain things that would have to be met to receive what he had. You could, you could stay status quo or you could be found worthy to receive a 30, a 60, or a 100-fold outpouring. He says, I could sense that if you were found worthy and prepared, that there would be a great many angels that would be present in your midst. midst. Warring angels would be abolishing the enemy from your presence, and various other types of ministering spirits would be performing and administering great works and manifestations of various kinds. There would be thick presence of the Spirit and a, and great, and a great intimacy with many people basking in His presence and a thick glory for long durations. And there would be many powerful manifestations, but the focus would be mostly on his presence. And then he said this, he said, but I see the rock in a valley of decision right now. And I know, I felt like in 2016, we were in the middle of this. We were in the middle of a valley of decision. Which way would we go? Um, I do believe, as Marcus was saying, I, I feel like there are things that we have said yes to that were the right decision, and we're moving in that right direction, I still believe that we are in a valley of decision. I do believe that there are still things that, that it's like, are we, there is still a preparation and an alignment that he's calling us to. And he actually says in here, this, I'll just read this last part, he says, um, that there is a process we're in of, of preparation and laying the groundwork and getting things in alignment with the kingdom preparing the new wineskins and to be in a position or found worthy to receive the hundredfold outpouring of the Spirit in the advancement of the next wave of the kingdom on earth. Uh, I'll say he, he, does, he talks about Ezra and Nehemiah, and he says that this is really, he calls this as like a roadmap uh, for the things even to prepare uh, as, we, as we are in this preparation and alignment for what the Lord wants to do, uh, I'd encourage you, go through Ezra and Nehemiah and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the things for the preparation. Uh, there's some things he calls out. He just says uh, there are some critical first steps of worship, prayer, warfare, decrees, celebrating the presence of the Lord. These are critical for the advancement of the next wave. Uh, another thing he said was uh, repentance was a major part of the preparation. I don't think that could not be more true. And a lot of times that word is like, it's a hard word. You know, people are like, oh, really? I need to be in a place of repentance? Absolutely. Constantly. If you're not in a place of repentance, your heart is going to get hardened by the, from the things of the Lord. So it's that constantly turning to Him. Constantly. It's, it's first, read, just read First John. It'll explain it. <laughs> but, uh, but that we would... We have to be in that constant place of repentance, and that's the tenderness of our heart. And when our heart gets hardened, that's when the Holy Spirit has a hard time actually speaking to us and giving us the direction of where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do. We're no longer led by the Spirit because our hearts become hard and pride comes in or other things come in that actually it's those calluses that get built up. And that when I say hard, it's like the spiritual eyes 
of your, it's the, it's the eyes of your spirit. So spiritual eyes of your spirit. <laughs> the two things, though, I felt like that we were coming into right now, and he kind of goes through this list of, of steps through Isaiah, or through Ezra and Nehemiah, and I got down to E and F, and he says this. He says, there are great blessings and a reversal of fortune that is coming in this season. And he's referring to Haggai and Zechariah, which are the prophets of that time of Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, that it's that, consider your ways. And when we begin to consider our ways and, and actually building the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we, when we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he goes, he says this in, in Haggai 2, he says, consider your ways. And once they do... He says, from this day on, I will bless you. And I believe as we step into this, and it's that no longer trying to, and this is what was hap happening in Haggai 1, uh, is these, the Israelites, they're trying to build up and get all their things ready first, build their homes up, get their fields ready, do all of those things. And God goes, no, prepare my house first. Prepare my way first, and I will bless you in your way. And that's the call in on his church, is that we do not look to our own things. And this is what I hear people say, I just have to get my stuff together, and then I'll go do his stuff. And that's not how the kingdom works. He goes, you do my stuff, and I'll bless you with your things. I'll bless you in those areas. But your purpose is to go after my kingdom. The other thing he says, he's, the F there is, was that, this move, as he begins to do this, will usher in a greater presence of Jesus, of Christ. We're going to, and that, that's the spirit, that there's going to be an increase in the presence. And I believe that the increase is also going to be in the manifestations. I think that's it. Amen. Lord, we just take a minute and we just say, do it. Do it, Lord. Here we are. Here we are, God. We say yes as a people. We say yes to loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving people as ourselves. We say yes to laying down our lives. We say yes to seeking first the kingdom of God. We say yes to setting our eyes on Jesus. Lord, where we have struggles in our heart, remove the struggles in Jesus' name. Where there is sin and where there are weights that weigh us down, we ask you, Holy Spirit, for a washing. Even this morning, wash us clean. Wash us clean. Regenerate us again. Renew us again. The washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, we say yes to that. Where there is selfishness in our money and our time and our attitudes, where we are about our hobbies and our things, God, we put those at your feet. And we say, speak to us about each one of them. Speak to us. And what you're calling us to lay down and what you're calling us to set aside to be fully engaged with you, Lord. Speak to us. Give us that soldier's mindset of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 
that we would not get entangled in civilian affairs as we are in the battle. Help us, God. We all need help. We all need grace. We are weak in this. But we confess our weakness and we ask you to be strong in Jesus' name. Make us strong in the Lord and the power of your might. It's your might that accomplishes this. It's your grace that accomplishes this. In Jesus' name, amen. So the last thing that we'll just focus on here, uh, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 3. I was, got fascinated again this week by the book of Ephesians. Six chapters that are just like every sentence. You're like, wow, and then wow, and then whoa. It's almost like Ephesians just sends you so many places in the word in revelation of who Jesus is. So I, so I was feeling this, this like, you know, okay, let's, Lord, let's rest well. I was feeling this well done the rock and and I was asking the Lord Lord what what do we put our focus to in this season what what do we give our attention to and I and I felt three main things one prayer when the fast is called when the prayer meeting is called we give ourselves to prayer in this season corporately and privately we give ourselves to worship we give ourselves to the word of god but I was I was I had this sense that keep giving yourself to the preaching of the gospel. Keep giving yourself to bringing to light who I am to others who don't know me. I feel like as we are going to go out more in, in the summer season, and it's not just that we wait for the Sunday that we go out. We, we do this all the time, wherever the Lord calls us to do this as individuals. But there's, there's something important about the corporate gathering and the corporate sending. It's just beautiful how the Lord breathes on that and gives us courage when, when we at other times wouldn't have courage, but we're with others and we're praying and we're asking and then and God moves and then we, you know, the four people around you, you're like, whoa, you know, there's something so wonderful. And the Lord matures, matures us, that's a word, matures us together. And, and what I felt to encourage us in this morning is just that we have been made ministers by the grace of God through the working of power to make the unsearchable riches of Jesus known and to bring to light the plan of God in the earth. Oh, so we're just going to go there just for a second. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul says this, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace that was given me by the working of power. And he says, to me, he goes, even me, though I am the very least of all the saints. He says, this grace was given. This grace was received. And here's what the grace produced. To preach to the Gentiles. To preach to nations. To preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's the first thing. Made a minister. Grace given. 
the working of power. We're like, yeah. Here's the purpose. To preach. To make Jesus known. And here's the second thing he said. And, there's an and, verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So he says, I'm going to preach about Jesus and I'm going to pull everyone into the wisdom of God. God's plan for the earth. God's plan for the church. God's plan for the nations of the earth. He goes, this is what grace was given to me to do. And then what does that produce? Verse 10. I love this. It just pulls us out of our Western mindset. He goes, so that through the church, through you and I, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to, and you're thinking, You're thinking he's going to say, like, to men and women. He goes, no. That the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to rulers and authorities in heavenly places. When you walk in and you preach Jesus and you make known the plan of God, and God pours out his power. Principalities, rulers of darkness, they go, oh, the wisdom of God. The plan of God. And they retreat. They run. They go, we can't, we don't have any power against that. When you make known the plan of God to rulers and powers and principalities, they got to flee. They can't stand against that wisdom. Our fight isn't with flesh and blood. It's with powers and principalities. And guess what? That armor of God is not defensive armor. It is advancing, powerful armor to push back darkness and principalities and powers. They've had control over territories. They've had control over people for years, for centuries. And you walk in and you say, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, this is Jesus's now. You go to downtown Castle Rock, you go to downtown Denver, downtown Castle Rock isn't that bad, but I'm just like, there's a different spirit there. It's a spirit of wealth and ease and don't bother me because I got everything I need. You go into downtown Castle Rock and you resist that and you say, no, this is Jesus's territory. Paul walks into Philippi, uh-uh, this is Jesus's territory. I got Lydia, I got Timothy, I got Silas, we got a prayer meeting down by the river. Oh, what's going to happen now? And that little demonic girl is following him. And Paul just one day takes his authority and says, get out of her. And he gets set in prison because of it. He gets beaten because of it. He doesn't give up. He says, nope. Philippi, those powers and principalities are about to be removed. And they worship in that prison. God shakes that prison, sets all the captives free. What an amazing, just like, what God wanted to do spiritually, he does physically. All the chains fall off. Paul's like, amen. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm here to do. Thanks, God, for giving me that, like, 
First in the natural. And that jailer. No, 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 don't take your life. God did this for you. What must I do to be saved? And Paul leaves this vibrant church in the hands of a jailer's family and Lydia. And from then on, Philippi gets rocked with the gospel. God, ooh, so back to this. The gospel. I was made a minister, verse 7, of the gospel. Paul says, I, would ma- I was made a minister in earlier verses to the Gentiles to reveal to them this mystery that they are fellow heirs. That they are members of the body of Christ if they put faith in Christ. That they get to be partakers of the promise. The gospel. The Gentiles who were purchased by the blood of Jesus. By His torn flesh through the cross. And He removes the hostility. Jesus. Between us and God. And he removes the hostility between Jew and Gentile. And where there was two, he makes one new man and he reconciles us all to himself. The gospel. That's good news. He says, I was made a minister. 2 Corinthians 3. You don't have to put it up on the board. 2 Corinthians 3. Paul says, I'm not sufficient to be a minister of the gospel in my own self. He said, but God saw me and he made me sufficient through his blood, through his death, through the filling of his Holy Spirit. And he says, and now I've been made a minister of the new covenant. You know how there were priests in the old covenant? You get to be a priest of the new covenant. There were ministers of the old covenant. And Paul says, And now I'm a minister of the new covenant. What is this new covenant? It's the covenant that was birthed by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit gives life. What am I called to do? To serve this covenant. To serve God. To serve people. And to have them experience life through the Holy Spirit. Joy through the Holy Spirit. Peace through the Holy Spirit. Paul Goes on, he goes, and it was given to me by the working of power. We, I'm just going to declare this. This church will always be a church that contends to preach the gospel through the gift of grace by the working of power. Let's go to, yeah, amen, amen. Put, uh, put Romans 15. Up on the board, if you can find that. They got it. Ooh, good. That's a good one. Mike brought this up a few weeks ago. I love this. When we think of power, this is for you. Okay? If you've been in the kingdom one month, if you've been in the kingdom 20 years and you haven't engaged in this, this is for us. Okay? So don't separate yourself as we read this. It says this. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. So, who did something through Paul? Christ did something through Paul. Christ has accomplished something 
But Paul didn't wait around and say, Jesus, well, if you want to do it, you'll do it. And we have that spirit in the church sometimes. Well, Lord, if it's your will, you'll bring it about, no matter my yes or my no. Paul engaged with the will of Jesus that he encountered on the road to Damascus. He was a blasphemer. He was a persecutor. He was a sinner. And out of nowhere, Jesus shows up and says, "Uh uh-uh, Paul, no more. You're on my team now. That's crazy. I mean, Paul says this. Though I am, you can take down the verse. I'll come back to it in a second. Though I am the least... Of all the saints, in 2 Corinthians 15, he goes, I should be the, I'm the least of the apostles. I persecuted them before I was an apostle. I had Stephen's face. I knew who he was, a disciple of the apostles. And then I did such things that caused them to flee, that caused them fear. I put them in prison. I was an enemy of God. I was an enemy of Jesus. And he goes, and by the gift of grace, I was pulled in and made a minister. Guys, do not disqualify yourself. I guarantee your history isn't that. And out of nowhere, Paul hadn't done one thing for God. He hadn't done one thing for Jesus. Jesus shows up and says, huh? You're mine now. You're going to preach the gospel to your people. You're going to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And he says this in Acts 26. I'm sending you, Paul, so that they can see my light. And through you, the light of God is going to shine and you're going to pull people from the power of Satan to the power of God So that they can call upon my name and repent of their sins and be renewed by the Holy Spirit. That is a crazy good first commission from a guy that you were persecuting. (laughs) And Paul says, I was made a minister of this gospel. And it was the gift of grace. Grace is understood in the New Testament. I think the simplest way to describe it is this. Grace is understood in two ways. And sometimes we just preach grace in one way. And when we see it in the other way, we don't see it for what it is. Okay? There is a saving grace that is spoken of in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2. Probably the best verse of this saving grace. You can put it up on the board. We'll get back to the power. I just got on a tangent. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here it is. By grace you have been saved. And by grace you've been raised up with him, who seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that is truth. That is unmerited favor and power pulling you up and resurrecting you and seating you with Jesus right now. Everyone say amen. Amen. But the Bible also describes an empowering grace. Grace doesn't stop there. The same grace that pulled you, the same grace that seated you, the same grace that resurrected you spiritually from from the dead, 
is the same grace that we partner with to make the gospel known. Second Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says it like this. It's, I think it's the next slide, yeah. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Do you know what that means? By the grace of God, Paul was made an apostle. By unmerited favor, kindness shown toward him, Damascus Road, uh-uh, Paul, you're on my team now. He goes, by grace, I'm an apostle of Jesus. How does this happen? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, it says, the grace of God overflowed to me with the faith and the love that was in Christ Jesus. And he said, and I received mercy. You know what Paul should have received? He should have received on that road to Damascus the sword coming from Jesus' mouth and slaying him. But he says, but I didn't receive that. That's what I deserved. What I received was mercy. And you know what I received that I didn't deserve? I received the gift of God's grace to become an apostle. And he just overflows in the New Testament with this. Let's go back to that verse that was up. So the gift of God's grace brought him into the kingdom. But look at this. And his grace toward me was not in vain. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Don't take the grace of God given to you in vain. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians about their grace that had been given to them. And here he's talking about in 1 Corinthians about the grace given to him. He said, A grace was given to me and I did not take it in vain. On the contrary, I, what? Worked. (laughs) I worked harder than any of them. But it was not I, but it was the grace of God that was with me. That's called empowering grace. Both are represented in this verse. There's a saving grace that pulls us in, and then there's an empowering grace that propels us to advance the kingdom of God. Guys, we have to say yes to both. And Paul said, I preached the gospel and I was made a minister by this gift of grace and by the working of power. Let's go back to Romans chapter 15. He says this, Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and in deed. Say word and in deed. James loved this passage. Faith by works. Yeah. Paul loved it too. By word and in deed. He says this, by the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God. Isn't that beautiful? So Christ, through him, gives him words to say. That's the gospel. And then gives him deeds. Paul, Barnabas, hey, I'm going to set you apart. Go preach. And then in that obedience, what happened? The power of signs and wonders backed up the message of the gospel. The power of the Spirit of God backed up the preaching of the gospel. And so much to say, so that from Jerusalem all the way to Elycria, uh, I forgot how to say it, anyway, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. 
grace empowered him. Grace thrusted him forth and he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit and he fulfilled his ministry. Guys, whoever's laid down what you feel like the Lord has called them to do in their life, pick it back up. This is a season to fulfill the ministry God has given you to fulfill. What are those dreams that you've laid down? What are those things that he said to you in your 20s that you go like, oh, I've, I've so squandered that. He couldn't be saying that to me now. No! There's ministries. There's works for us to do. Pick them up and experience the grace of God, the working of power. Amen? We'll be done in just a second. You guys are just letting me have fun, so I appreciate that. And here's what he preaches. He preaches the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. This phrase just won my heart again this week. That there are riches in Christ. And I was just listing them. The forgiveness that I had been given. I had real guilt before God. And through the blood of Jesus, I was given forgiveness. That's what riches means. I had a need of this guilt being removed and I did not have a bank account that was going to meet that need. Christ had riches for me to experience called forgiveness. Christ has riches for us to experience called being sons and daughters of God. Christ has riches for us to experience. The word is filled with them. But it's not just what he gives us, it's him himself. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, he goes, oh, I count it all loss, what that I may gain, who? Christ. And this word of, the riches of Christ, I just kind of was like, well, what is it? Is it the riches that Christ gives? Or is it the riches of the man? And the word just speaks so profoundly, it's both. It's all. It's everything. He's all in all. He is the gift and He gives great gifts to you. He gave every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Hallelujah. Wow. And Paul says, these are for me to experience personally and these are for me to talk about to everyone. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable means never-ending. For a million years from now, you are going to be satisfied with the riches of Christ. They're never ending. Did you know that? That, I know you do. That is just wonderful. I can go back to the Word today, this afternoon, sit in my living room and go, oh, never ending riches. I'm going to experience them again. And they're for us to experience and they're for us to tell others about. So we are called to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. What I encourage you to do is experience the richness. Experience Jesus. Spend time with Him. And then in that time you spend with Him, of course, go and tell people about your sweet time with the Lord. And then ask them, oh, you have that anxiety? Well, there are riches in Christ called peace that... He has for you to experience. Would you like to experience the peace of God? Yeah. And you describe to them the peace of God? Amen. 
And he preaches to the Gentiles. He preaches to everyone. There are some miss- m- missiologists. Is that a word? That is a word, yeah. Mi- people who study missions. And they say they think there are over 17,000 known people groups on the earth. And Paul just calls all of those Gentiles. 17,000 people groups. Guys, our gospel is the gospel of inclusion. (laughs) Every one of those people groups gets a seat at the table. Don't ever cower to that phrase of, oh, you Christians, your messages are so exclusive. No! Anyone can experience the riches of Christ. But it is a very narrow way. There's only one man that's going to give it to you. He's sitting at the throne of God. He loves you right now. He loved Paul before Paul did anything. Let me tell you about it. Oh, it's the gospel of inclusion. <laughs> that just that touched me. It's like, this is so good. Because there's that lie that we battle in our culture. Of, oh, how can there just be only one way? That's so exclusive. Right? No. He wants everyone. And then we're called to bring to light the plan of the mystery of the ages. My favorite verse on this is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10. Let's go there and we'll be done. Not just the mystery, not just one mystery, the, the plan of the mystery. Let's, let's read this. God has made known to us if we're just picking up the language, to us, he's making known the mystery of his will. So God has a plan. God has desires. God has a will. According to his purpose, God has purpose. Just for a fun Bible study, do a New Testament study of the word plan and the word purpose, and it will pull you into what I'm talking about. So God has a plan. God has a will. He has a purpose, which he set forth in Christ, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. And here it is. This is everything. To unite all things in Jesus. Things in heaven and things on earth. That's what the Bible unfolds. That plan to bring all things under the leadership of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Things in heaven and things on earth are going to be united again. And Paul says, I get to bring to light that plan. Now, we find ourselves operating in that plan with that kingdom. You've been, it says, the purpose of God pulled you in as a son and a daughter to that will, to that plan. Here's what I want to invite you to this morning. Get fascinated with the plan of God. Lay down your own plans and go, oh, I've been given a much better plan to throw my mind and my soul and my energy into and to bring to light the plan of God for everyone in the earth. And then when you do that, when you preach, when the working of power is administrated by the Holy Spirit, when you bring to light, I love Paul says bring to light because there's a moment in bringing to light when I think about that for myself that we have no power to do. Right? I cannot put inside of you that light of the Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus to you. I can only talk to you about it. 
I can only do signs and wonders that, that, or the Holy Spirit does signs and wonders that confirms that. So I love that Paul says, I bring to light the plan, but in Ephesians chapter 1, he's on his knees praying for it. He says, I'm asking that the God of Lord Jesus Christ would give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Bring to light. Be enlightened. So our part is to preach, and our part is to pray. That's all you can do. And God does all the rest. He makes the seed to grow. He waters. He brings light. Just make sure you're doing your part, right? Preaching and praying. Preaching and praying. Preaching and praying. And I'll end with this. Guys, when I say preach, just because you are not on a platform with a microphone speaking to a congregation, do not disqualify yourself. God is not judging you on this level. What he's going is, what are you talking about around the dinner table? What are you talking about at work with your coworkers? What are you doing with the areas of influence of people that I have given you? Are you talking about the unsearchable riches of Christ and inviting people to partake in it? Are you bringing to light the plan? Are you fascinated with it and talking about it? He says, if you do your part and then pray that their eyes would be enlightened, pray. He says, oh, I will do my part and I will enlighten their eyes. Amen? We had a, 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 an amazing time last Sunday. We went out, Hudson and I did a little bit of ministry in downtown Castle Rock. And then I had a, a moment uh, with my son. And my son graduated high school last week, Isaiah, and now I have three high school graduates. Woo! And we were having a little graduation party. And I just had it in my heart to pray over my son at the end of the party. And I, I asked him if I could do this. He's like, yeah. And there, we had some wonderful of our friends here at the church, and they were there. And all of a sudden, as, I, as we go to do this, I realize that there are Isaiah's friends here and other people, there are like uh, one, two, three, four, five. There's like seven or eight graduates that were in the room. And I, and I just had that sense of, oh, we need to pray over all of them. And then I realized, oh, some of these guys don't come from a godly home. They've never experienced this before. Guys, as we entered into praying over these seniors, it was beautiful. It was, it shocked me. Like I was like, Wow, even the blind squirrel can find a nut at some times. You know, like, like I thought I had gone, like I'd gone to downtown Kassarok. Yeah, I'm going to preach and minister here. And I come home and thought that was over. And God just opened up his love. And, and, and oh, it was just beautiful. As the older generation was praying over the younger generation and encouraging them to run after Christ, encouraging them to, to not get distracted by the ways they got distracted. Prophetic words, prayers. It was like, it was church in my living room. And it was awesome. That's preaching. That's making known the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do it time and time again. Okay, I'm done. Let's see it. Uh,
I'm going to pray and I'm just going to give it to Mike. Lord, we thank you for your pleasure in us. Lord, we ask you in this season, just going back to the beginning, that we would be those who continue walking rightly before you in prayer, in worship, in making the gospel known, in waiting on you. And Lord, we ask you for that tipping point of glory. I ask you for glory, Lord. And I pray that everyone here would be encouraged to encounter you this week afresh and anew and to make you know. This is all you've called us to do, to know you and make you know. Know you and make you know. Holy Spirit, give us grace for that. We love you and we thank you for working with weak and broken us. We're so unworthy of this grace and we just thank you that your heart is so toward us in Jesus' name. I just want to encourage you. I love what Marcus was talking about, just with the preaching. Sometimes we get a misunderstanding of what it is to preach, and we think we have to have the Bible with us, and, and we have to preach directly. I mean, the Word of God is amazing, but get it in your heart, and then let it just come out. Let it flow out. So I'm so encouraged. Next week, I just want to remind you guys, we're going to go out, and uh, we're going to, it's going to be... The plan is probably to, to end around 11.30, but not so we can just get out and chill out. We're going to go out in teams. We're going to have uh, kind of some groups up here. You can go with the team, or you can just go out with, with the people that you want to go out with. But I want to encourage you to, if, if you haven't gone out, get with somebody who has gone out. And, uh, and, and you don't have to try to figure this out on your own. And if you have gone out, grab somebody who hasn't gone out. And, uh, and all this is going to do, this is going to stir your heart. I remember last year when we started this, I remember Zion, uh, Marcus's daughter, and first time when she went out, you were really scared. Right? You were like, I don't know if I want to do this. And after they be started to do it, she's like, I don't want to ever stop this. <laughs> she's like, let's go. Let's do this. We, I've, I was with her on some of the times we went out and Man, she would pray for people, and they're getting radically healed. They're getting saved. Um, it's the fun part is it's not us. It's not our power. But we begin to step out. We do this together, and watch what God does. He will stir your heart, and you'll be going from, first of all, being, like, scared. I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know, like, if I do this, is God going to do anything? And then to who's next? Like, who's next on the hit list looking around like, God, who do you want to go after next? <laughs> so this is the opportunity we have. It's going to be fun. I want to encourage you. Just a few days ago, the Lord just said this to me. The Lord is calling us out into the streets, to the lost, to the prisoners, to those who have walked away. It's time for the church to arise, to come forth. And the Spirit is calling the church forth into our destiny and into our purpose that Jesus has for his bride. How beautiful are the feet of those who will bring good news. He is shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel. The good news of Jesus is going forth in this season. This is a pouring out of his spirit, and there is power in his name, in the name of Jesus. Who will go for me? I am putting the coal on your lips so that you may preach my word, my truths. May the coal 
of my fire ignite the fire within you. You are my called ones, and I am now sending you. Will you shepherd my sheep, and will you love them with my love? I will clothe you with my love. I will clothe you with my light. I will clothe you with humility, and I will clothe you with the power of my spirit. Will you go for me? There it is. So Marcus already prayed. That's the, that's the question for you. And uh, I just pray you have an awesome week. Even if, though, we're not going out today specifically to minister, leave this place with an expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to use you to touch somebody's life. This day, tomorrow, the next day, every day. God bless you. Love you guys. Have an awesome week and get ready for next week. And then a week from next, a week from tomorrow, we're going to start the fast. So we'll talk more about that for three days. If you do need prayer, we have prayer teams up here. Have an awesome week.